Hi, everyone. I know it's not fun to sit through me sounding like an NPR pledge drive, but it truly is urgent that we make hashtag ruthless Jesse's IRL job, so I am here to pledge drive at you, and I really hope that you won't skip ahead. We are still pretty far away from our goal, but we could reach it today if just 126 of you pledged at $33 a month, or if like 1,300 of you pledged at $3 a month. I know that more than 1,300 people listen on the first day that these episodes come out each week, so like, it could happen. Um, Of course, you can also pledge anywhere in between those two numbers and, you know, just base it on what you can actually afford. Uh, We're so grateful to all of you who have already joined our Patreon and all of our patrons who have increased your pledges. Just thank you so, so much from the bottom of both of our hearts. We just appreciate it more than we could possibly say. Um, If you would like to join our Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. And if you can't pledge, please know that that's totally okay. We get it. And you can totally still help us by spreading the word. Every new listener is a potential new patron. Um, You can share our Instagram and Twitter posts about what happened to Jesse and our pledge drive, I guess, that we're doing. Um, Even just rating and reviewing us on the platform that you're listening helps get our podcast up there and helps people find it. So there are totally non-monetary ways that you can help us as well. And we appreciate every bit of support that we get. So thank you all. We love you. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. (laughs) We have to stop this podcast. This book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. (laughs) You shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. (laughs) Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter! Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches read Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. Uh, and I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount, and today we're talking about Chapter 22 of Goblet of Fire, The Unexpected Task, in which, guess what everyone, we're having a Yule Ball. Uh, it's former attire only. Oh, and Harry, as a champion, you have to have a date and lead the opening dance with the rest of the, cha- with the, rest of the champions. Aren't mandatory extracurriculars fun? Uh, <laughs> Harry is overwhelmed by all this compulsory hex- heterosexuality that you know, he has to do to ask a girl out. He really wants to ask out Cho, but he's way too freaked out about it. A few girls approach Harry, but he doesn't want to go with them either. Should have asked out Malfoy, kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of which, a bulk of the bullying has stopped, minus Malfoy's pigtail pulling. There's not been anything about Harry and the Prophet either, as Rita got zero dirt about about Harry from Hagrid. For For the Yule Ball, Fred honestly had the best approach, which is just to confidently and casual-like ask out Angelina to the ball. The school is a hell decked out for the for Yule, and Harry finally approaches Cho on the last day before break. Sweet summer child Harry is honestly shocked that a hot popular girl already has a date with another hot popular upperclassman. Who could have guessed? But this isn't any worse than Ron asking out Floor a.k.a. the hottest person with Vila Magic on 10 in front of half the school. Ginny and Hermione have a good time roasting the fuck out of Ron and to a certain extent Harry about this. They, of course, both have dates. 
Though Ginny's having some regrets, I think. Harry, over literally all this bullshit, finally just asks Poverty out to the dance and asks if Lavender will go with Ron because he is a good wingman, even if Ron does not at all deserve it. Poverty and an even better an even better person is like, fine, I guess I'll ask my sister if she wants to go to the ball with your pathetic friend. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um one quick note before we get started. We recently released our final installment of our Pride advice episode from last June on Patreon. And several of the people whose questions we answered are high schoolers who stated in their questions that they are not out to their families. And so I don't want to just email you and be like, hey, here's this episode. Um, So if there's a safe way for me to get the episode to you and you're listening to this and you're like, I wrote a question I didn't hear the answer to, please send us an email uh, to the gaily at gmail.com or use our uh, submission form on our website to let me know how I can get you the episode so you can hear our advice. Um, and with that, we are going to get into today's headlines. From handsome popular champion to useless pretty boy, the rise <laughs> and fall of Cedric Diggory. <laughs> <laughs> funny just because i mean literally yesterday you were you were doing the art for the episode the gaily prophet episode about harry being a little bit heart eyes about how handsome such a it's just like <laughs> that useless pretty boy and i'm like whoa okay <laughs> who are you more jealous of right now harry please tell me <laughs> he cannot tell you because he has no idea <laughs> no clue no idea uh, him and ron are gonna start the bisexual panic club now uh, honestly it'd be a better use of their time than whenever the fuck is happening in this chapter very very true uh so let's talk about that when we get there and first we're gonna get into the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else I think it's a little bit ridiculous that Harry does not know the names of the girls that have approached him in this chapter. Uh, and I think I have a, a larger rant about that. But Hogwarts is a small school. As someone who went to a small school, and I don't I don't remember how big your, your high school was. But, it was 400 people. And, like, we assume that Hogwarts is not much bigger than 400 people. Like, yeah, I went to a school that had about 400 people. And I at least knew... If not someone's name, it'd be like, oh, that, you know, like, not just a complete, like, who are these randos coming up to me? It's like, you go to a small school here. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. I can, un- I think I can understand him maybe not knowing, like, underclassmen. Because part of it with my school was that classes weren't separated by grade. So, like, you mm-hmm. were in class with anyone. But they are separated by both house and grade. Mm -hmm. So I can see him knowing like all of the Gryffindors and then the people in his same year from the rest of the school. But like there's no extracurriculars. That's true. Like if they're not on the Quidditch team, when is he interacting with any of these people? That is true. Which is a shame. I mean, he should still know them at least like be vaguely aware of them. But Hogwarts is set up in a like 
not great way for socializing. It really is not. Yeah, it's like, no wonder you guys have a problem with fascists. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know where I land on the whole the champions opening the ball, like, dancing thing. Like, I kind of get it. They're kind of the point of the whole thing. But also, the anxiety that this is bringing to Harry makes me feel like either it shouldn't be a thing or it should be optional. Because I'm, like, a really big fan of accessibility, including emotional accessibility. And I just wanted to talk it through with you, I think. You know, I actually, I was actually kind of having similar thoughts. Because part of me is like, like, McGonagall basically says it's mandatory. But she doesn't give him an option if, for whatever reason, he was unable or didn't want to find someone to, like, have a date with you know to the dance with and I was kind of like it's I, f- I feel like it seems like an option that would have made sense would it be like if this is too much because you are criminally underage for this competition and I mean only by a few years but still like Harry's at the target age of this whole event you know right try was a tournament or the Yule ball I kind of I kind of feel like McGonagall could have been like you know talk to your Talk to whoever the Gryffindor prefects are or, like, whoever the fuck the head girl is. Like, someone who's already sort of in a position of leadership in the school. I use... Actually, I feel like leadership with quotation marks because we are never given any indication of what the fuck head boy or head girl does. No, not at all. Which is, like, cool. This must be just some, like, weird arbitrary popularity contest then that fucking (laughs) schools love to do. Um, But regardless, yeah, I think there really should have been a, like, intermediate... Like there should have been at least another option between like if you can't find anyone because you're doing your studies and you're doing this competition and like people trying to kill you because you're fucking Harry Potter or whatever the fuck like yeah ask her what the fuck the prefect is of Gryffindor House I don't know who was in the right age range at this point but fucking someone so it's got to be probably like Angelina or Katie or the third one that's on the Quidditch team whose name I am blanking on currently whoever Spinner. Right? Yeah, Alicia. Alicia. Yeah. And, like, even... I don't know. And even with, with that, it's, like, at least, like... Right, if one of them are prefix for Gryffindor House, it's, like, you know them. You're on the Quidditch team with them, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I I agree. And so, yeah. So it's just it's just weird that this whole, like, date dance part is, like, super mandatory. Yeah. Yeah, because I would have been would have i would now be just like melting into myself i did not even do a like solo first dance to me and evan's song at our wedding like we didn't announce when it was the song it was like third or fourth in the set and it was just like oh this is our song and that like we went out and started dancing so i was like this may be my wedding, but I actually don't want everyone looking at me more than they already have today. It's too much. So like, yeah, this, this is not, I would, I would very much not be comfortable with this. And I feel like Harry feels very similarly and I kind of want him to just be able to opt out. Yeah. And I think in this regard, I think you could have very much have had Harry opt out. You already have Cedric here looking handsome, like, the most popular dude in school, whatever. So, like, <laughs> it's 
So yeah, I both I both like I'm glad we can both agree it's like that feels this just feels weird. Like there should not have be there should not be only one option, which is to go and for him to find someone on his own. Yeah, totally. All right. Um what do you have next? Uh all right. So Harry describes a fifth year Ravenclaw, fifth year girl who is a foot taller than him and looked like that she's going to hit him if he refused. And uh, I just want to say that that girl is queer. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no, you cannot change my mind. Maybe she's like hard femme or like soft butch because it's just like, she was just like, I'm going to do this. And if you say no, I'm going to cut your bag open. Or it's like, I don't know. (laughs) And it's just like, Harry's like, kind of freaked out and i'm like that sounds hot i would have definitely been like yes <laughs> <laughs> intimidating tall woman please <laughs> so that's why i'm like that person is queer <laughs> that makes sense that totally tracks i'm um, speaking of queerness actually that leads really well into my next point which is that we have such a beautiful example of use of the singular they in this chapter it's so good It's when Ron and Harry are talking about how the girls are moving in packs and it's like, how are we supposed to talk to one of them? And Harry says, how are you supposed to get one on their own to ask them? And it's like, yeah, great. Could he have said get one on her own to ask her? He sure could, but he did not because using the singular they makes perfect sense in that chapter and always, or in that sentence, and always, and I was like, great, love it. I didn't, I didn't even notice, because I was kind of like, well, how about that whole scene? <laughs> I was kind of like, but I don't know. But I'm also kind of like, anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah, I don't feel great about any of the conversations about asking girls out, but I do appreciate a nice use of the singular thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next thing is just about... Just envisioning if Rita would have approached Snape for like dirt on Harry mm-hmm. and just like I would just would have loved to see how the interaction went. I just want to see it, especially because given the fact that Rita is that described as looking older, she's got to be either Snape's age, like in one of his peer groups or younger. So either someone he's taught <laughs> Or someone who was, like, in school at the same time. Wait, because she's not described as looking older? Is that what she said? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you don't really get the sense that, she, that she's, like... And, I mean, I guess in the in the witching world, it's, like, if you live to be 150, who knows, like, how old is old, but... I don't think he could have taught her, though. Like, the youngest she could be is, like, 20, right? And then he only would have been, like, 15 when she was... I don't... But it doesn't feel like she... She's not 20, is she? I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't know. I, I guess as a kid, I, I mean, I guess when I was reading this initially, like as a, you know, when I was younger, I just assumed that she was like in her 30s. But now that I'm in my 30s, I think it could go either way. So like either she could be like a really experienced at just being a shitty journalist, or she could be like trying to make a name for herself. And that would kind of exp- I don't want to say like it isn't. It, it would kind of be a reason why she'd be so unscrupulous if she's trying to like really get into what I'm sure is a very glass ceiling full of just old dude reporters because that's kind of what journalism now is like, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
I always imagined her being in her like mid to late forties. Um, I'm looking at HarryPotterFandom.com, which says that apparently she was born in 1951, which would put her in her forties in this book. Hmm. I guess I just never envisioned her to be in her forties. Why is that? I don't know. I guess part of it is that. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. None of that changes the fact that watching her and Snape have a conversation about Harry would have been incredible. I know. That article that she would have put out, too, like, I would pay to read that. (laughs) It would have put Rita on the map that she wants to be, like, right in the place she wants to be on the map, and it would have just been so terrible. Honestly, I would have rather have read that than to read most of the things that happened in this chapter. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Um, okay, so my last thing here is that I would just like to note for anyone who's listening, whoever ends up in an argument, maybe on the internet with someone who's like, Hermione is obviously white because she blushes, that... We have in this chapter Parvati, who is canonically a woman of color, blushing furiously, which means that even scoundrel J.K. Rowling knows that people of color can blush. So it's even cannot it's textually canonically true that in the Harry Potter world, people of color can blush. So those people don't even have a leg to stand on. They didn't already, but I just like that there's like something you can point to in the book to be like that you literally don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, that, that didn't even occur to me. You're so right. Um, My last thing is just that um, Dumbledore continuing to be the worst boss in small ways, which is the singing suit of armors were totally his idea and the entire staff hates him for it. <laughs> you could not convince me otherwise. I love it. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. I have so many complaints. Well, okay. Let me just start off with my total annoyance that this school dances on a holiday. Mm -hmm. Like it's on Christmas Day. Y'all couldn't have picked like Boxing Day or like Christmas Eve or like actual yule perhaps. actual yule <laughs> why what i have never like why would you do that yeah it's weird um can i ask why it bugs you so much i guess okay well it's two things um i mean one is that it's mandatory for the champions and like maybe they want to see their families over christmas break yeah and not to be a complete debbie downer like Cedric has like literally less than six months to live and he like missed Christmas to go to this fucking dance like to be with his family and I'm like that's kind of sad (laughs) and just that like you know all of these it's just I don't know it just seems very inconvenient especially if it's like for people who like like seeing their families (laughs) that the like biggest break in the school year where you can go visit your family because you can't go over Easter which is even though they do acknowledge it for again lol reasons but you just ask I mean like going to a school dance is cool especially since we never get a dance again but 
Does it have to be over like the like the one holiday you get where you get to leave Hogwarts? No, I'm I I felt the same way. I think it I think it sucks. Like why wasn't it just the the last day of term and then they're off for two weeks? Yeah. Uh I still really think that Hagrid needs to be relieved of her teaching duties. She's not doing her job. Just we see them in this chapter. At this point, they're not even like interacting with a magical creature, which like the Scroots have been a problem this whole time because that's not going to help anyone who is actually wanting to go into care of magical creatures. Like that sucks. But now they're just like cutting up food for the fucking Scroots. Like there's not even any teaching going on. They're not learning. I mean, they can't be. I'm anti-homework, but, like, they can't be doing any reading or, like, lectures or anything on care of Scroots because Scroots don't exist outside of this paddock of Scroots. So I just am, I'm just really bummed because this seems like a really cool field to go into and these kids are being robbed of a really, like, important learning opportunity, I think. Yeah, and then people are going to wonder, it's like, wow, we really haven't had any people who are, like, really skilled at care of magical creatures. Like, wonder why that is. And it's like, could it be the one school that you guys have doesn't have any kind of educational standards at all to for people to, like, lo- know how to do things? Exactly. Yeah. What do you have next? Um... Despite my complaining about this dance being on Christmas, I think it's weird slash sad that this is, like, the only school dance the kids get. Mm-hmm. And, like, I looked it up, like, prom is a very, is only a very, like, recent phenomenon in, like, the UK. Mm. But, again, outside of the Great Hall and Quidditch, these kids never interact with anyone outside of their grade slash house. Right. You know? And it just seems... I don't know. It just seems weird. It's like, especially if a lot of people are going to go and like marry their high school sweethearts. Like, don't you want to meet other people? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you guys have kind of an inbreeding problem. Maybe you should <laughs> work on that somehow. And like, I just, I don't know. Something. I'm with you. Even if it's not dances, like. Something. School, school-wide gatherings of something or other. Yeah. Um, all right, I just have one other education complaint, which again is that Bins is terrible at his job. And Harry says Bins makes talking about the, you know, bloody and violent goblin rebellions as boring as reading Percy's report on Cauldron Bottoms. And that just sucks. And I feel like the kids' test scores in History of Magic are probably not great like when they do their owls and their newts and if a class consistently is not if you know a teacher's classes are consistently not performing well that's on the teacher and i feel like there's almost certainly a large pile of evidence that bins is not good at what he does and should be relieved of his position 
And has been doing it for like who knows how many years. If he's a literal ghost, you know. Right. And I mean, I feel this way. I mean, in general, that like you really need to know your history to know what's going on in the future and like in the present. And it, but especially in these series where it's like so many things is just the like cylindrical nature of history repeating itself. And like when you don't have a structural change. You're just setting up the next, this, this same bullshit to happen again. Right. Especially with the history of the very violent and supremacist uh, relationship between the witches and the goblins. Uh, this seems very important for you to know. So you're not, oops, somehow now in another goblin war. You know, you're already not that many people out here live through two wars and like. 20 year period i think if some if you had a goblin war because so when it happened because no one knows the history of what's going on that would be the end of witches in the U. it'd be like are you what and i just i just keep thinking back to the moment where harry's interacting with grip hook and it's like oh even though i've taken six years of history of magic i literally know nothing about what's ha- what you're talking about you know right totally I also think, you know, Ben seems to have a pretty intense vendetta against goblins, considering that history of magic consists of a fuckload more than goblin wars, and that's all he seems to teach about for all six years that Harry is in Hogwarts, which is also, like, a pretty big problem, even if he was a good teacher. (laughs) It's like having the one teacher who's obsessed with, like, specific battles in specific wars, and it's like... I don't care about the Battle of Gettysburg. Can we talk about how it was not about quote-unquote state rights? It was about slavery. Right. Yeah. They should definitely be learning, like, a lot more things in history of magic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I think what's even worse is that unless you're someone like Hermione who's just going to do a shit ton of like reading on your own it doesn't there doesn't necessarily seem to be very many opportunities to correct that knowledge Mm -mm. like I feel especially in 2022 I mean I've learned so much just from like TikTok and Twitter or meeting people who have you know lived longer like who are older than I am like talking about I'm like oh okay we've completely misconstrued this thing in history because there are people who are still alive who lived through it you know Mm -hmm. uh or people who are like you know able to create art about the thing and it's like we barely get any art at all let alone anything that's rooted in like a political history so Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if there's any opportunity that like if you leave Hogwarts and all you've gotten is seven years of goblin wars and you're just an average witch like you're you're basically like n- not ever really ever going to have any of those ideas corrected you know right which is like just the like homogeneity of thought that must happen in like your thinkers in your society also isn't great right unless you're in power and then it benef- it benefits but mhm it's pretty fucked up yep it sucks Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. I think it's your turn. I just 
want to um, start this, start off the tone of this politics section in which I feel like this chapter, Scoundrel JKR's misogyny really is just pouring through in a way that I had not picked up on on previous reads of this book, mostly because it's very much played for laughs. But mm. I am, I find myself like deeply uncomfortable about so many things in this chapter. Even though I know it is awkward as a teenager to like ask out other teenagers, like nothing more awkward and terrible. But we'll get into that. So I just wanted to start, you started off just, I just want to start it off right away about the misogyny in this chapter. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like, I don't know if I'm, if my experience is universalizable because obviously I went to an alternative school, but like people, there was no gender delineation of friend groups, not just my friend group, but like generally in my high school. I I feel like there was more in middle school, but even in middle school, I went to, you know, traditional middle school, the like cliques were made up of multiple genders. It wasn't like, oh, girls hang out with girls and boys hang out with boys. It was like people hang out with people of their like similar social standing, you know? So like my friend group was the other kids who got bullied too much to eat in the lunchroom. It was both boys and girls and like the popular kids also both boys and girls like the nerds both boys and girls it was just I don't I don't this feels fake to me I guess is what I'm saying which really bothers me I guess I guess I I don't know if it's fake because I I mean I didn't I went to a more real high school than you did but my high school was like a weird charter high school where I had like there's like 400 kids in my so I didn't like go to like a neighborhood like high school where everyone like knew each other since they were like you know eight or whatever so I think and in my memory it's like there were groups of people who like had like friend groups where it was like only boys and only girls but just because my school was so small like I mean I guess outside of the like weird nerds there were still like a lot of like like the popular kids maybe had you know there was like a group of popular guys and a group of popular girls but they still all hung out together anyway because you're right like it's still like there's the popular kids there's like the second tier popular kids there's the art kids there's the sports kids. right and they they date each other too yeah yeah okay so we've settled on at least in our high schools there was no people weren't split up by gender in their friend groups like this I, and it's so funny because this whole thing is is focused around people trying to ask each other to this dance which is like you know part of dating which people do a lot in high school and like when you're dating someone you hang out with each other including when you're with your friends and like you know we see i mean ron harry and hermione obviously are friends and then when Harry and Jenny are dating, she hangs out with them. Fred and George hang out with Angelina and Katie all the time. So it's weird that we have this realistic depiction of teenage friendships within Gryffindor. But then as soon as we 
get out into the broader school, we get this bizarre, like, teen movie, super fucking misogynistic description of what girls are like, what these teenage girls are like. And it is depicted as being very bad somehow. Yeah. And I think some, I think, I think a few things. And I think part of it is that no matter what kind of bullshit Scoundrel Jackar wants to say, like Hogwarts still f- seems like a small school for like these dynamics to like not totally make sense. Mm-hmm. And I also think that the sort of root surprise about having to be a part of this heteronormative like high school dating experience is like really blindsided Harry. Mm-hmm. And I think that we could have gotten him being blindsided with much less misogyny than we have. So it's like the only reason the misogyny is there is because J.K. Skandrakiar is a misogynist. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, and like because I feel like it would be it's like very understandable for her to be like, wait, what? Having to take someone out on a date? I've never done this before. I've maybe only started noticing people. And then I kind of, like, well, he had, I mean, Harry is those people, like, in an attractive kind of way, but kind of being like, oh, like, butterfly feelings, you know, crush like, romantic feelings are still new to Harry. So him just sort of being, like, totally just, like, what is happening makes sense. But he, like, he does things that I think is very kind of, like, out of character, maybe, for Harry. Like, I think it's the way that he's, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, there's so many girls here. And it's like yes because the school's full of people <laughs> many of those be- like i don't know i can see i feel like ron makes harry look bad in this chapter because i feel like harry's feelings are much more like i've literally never even dated anyone before and all of a sudden i have to like find a date to this prom and we're gonna have to dance in front of everybody and like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel really freaked out. And so when he's like, oh my God, there's like all these girls. I don't know how to approach them. I don't know what I'm doing. And then you have Ron next to him being like, yeah. And like, I'm going to talk about them in this really like demeaning way and say all of these honestly terrible things where he's like, like objectifying them constantly, not in a like, objectifying their bodies way but like literally talking about them as objects as like these sort of non-people that you're just like using to get a a thing that you need and harry's not saying anything to be like ron that sucks it it makes harry complicit in what ron is doing in a way that i don't think he would be if he wasn't hanging out with ron Mm. Like, I don't think his attitude would come across the way that it comes across if it wasn't paired with Ron's attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that does make sense. Yeah, I have a whole rant about fucking Ron in this fucking chapter. I mean, we're here. Let's do it. Um, I'm, I'm going to be real. Ron is, like, acting like the most disgusting Reddit bro in this chapter. Like, literally the kind of things where it's like, are are you just, like, the kind of, like, him being concerned about, like... Having to go out with a like not attractive girl, I'm like you, what? Like you're not. Who are you, Ron Reasley? <laughs> right. To, like, you, like you're some catch for you to be like clearly the hottest girls in the class. I got, I gotta get. And it's like, what? 
Yeah. You, you, you piece of shit 14-year-old with this piece of shit attitude? Hell no. Where do you... And then making fun of poor, nice plant dad Neville and being like, no one's going to want... No one wants to... Neville had a date before you did, Ron. Okay? Right. And he asks his date his own self. And, like, he sh- didn't he get sure so did. caught up in his in Hermione rejecting him that he, like, was too afraid to ask someone else. Like... Yeah. And, and you know, what What does Neville do? Neville approaches his not-so-secret-slash-not-so-secret crush. And it's like, that didn't work out. Let me ask the, like, second hottest girl that I know that probably isn't going with anyone that I know personally. And it fucking works. Uh, and... It's like, run. Harry has to be like, can you please, like, go up to his date and be like, please, do you have someone who will go with Ron? (laughs) Like, are you fucking kidding me? I know. Yeah. And despite everything that I just said, sort of like defending Harry, I have no defense of his attitude about Neville. The way that he even just like, you know, narrative wise, not out loud to Ron thinks and talks about Neville like to us is disgusting it's that's your friend a of all b of all what like why is it so unthinkable to you that someone would want to go out with Neville who is charming and kind and smart and like lovely what the hell and probably so much more fun to talk to than uh, Harry yeah. or Ron. Right. I guarantee you that Neville has read more than three books. So, which is... <laughs> yeah. And let me preface to say that, like, I know that, like, reading books is not, like, a, a personality trait. But I feel like Harry and Ron are boring to talk to because they don't have interests besides right. Quidditch. Yeah, and, like, saving the world. Right. Um, which is uninteresting to everyone else. Uh, Neville has hobbies and interests. Yeah. And is, like, a kind person. <laughs> yeah. And also, I want it on the record that Hermione would absolutely have gone to the Yule Ball with Neville if she wasn't already going with Crumb. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I don't I don't think they would have, like, hit it off in a dating way, but this that probably would have been the start of my dream of Hermione and Neville being BFFs and her just being like I am done I'm actually so done with Ron and Harry because they suck and they're so rude to me all the time and like when she helps Neville with his homework she's not doing his homework for him she is helping him and he is learning because he wants to and like and I bet he says thank you yeah which, I'm sure again, he says I don't you. which I doubt either Harry, or, again, Harry should have brought her, like, 12 books for literally saving his ass a chapter ago. Two chapters ago. Whatever the fuck. Yeah. He would have been eaten by a fucking dragon. Voldemort would have had to not do shit. Because a fucking angry ass on Garen Horned would have eaten him. If it yep. wasn't for Hermione Granger. Not even a thank you. Yeah. Uh, don't want to miss that Ron says that he and Harry don't want to end up with, quote unquote, a pair of trolls. And also, I think we need to get into his treatment of Hermione, specifically. It is so terrible. It is so terrible. And I'm just like, 
It's like, even if Hermione hadn't had a date, like, I hope she would not have gone with you, Ron. Because you being so shitty in this chapter, number one. And number two, to assume that Hermione would have automatically been like, I made up a date to, like, not have to go with Neville. When it's like... And the the fact that he thinks that it's unthinkable that Hermione would have a date. Like, he thinks so poorly of her that, like the idea that she would be going with someone is like, absolutely not. It's like, this is how you think about your friends? Like your best friend? What the hell? Like what, what, what do you, I mean, I don't think that he thinks good things about her. I think that he thinks of her as a tool that he can use to get what he needs, such as his homework done and like help with, you know saving the world and whatever because i don't think that he enjoys hanging out with her i don't think he values her i don't think that he thinks of her as being a person i think that he thinks of her as just being something that's useful to him and that sucks so much i the whole time i was reading this chapter i was just like oh remember when harry and ron weren't friends that was great like, that was so nice. And I really wish that we just could have had that. If that could have been the moment that Ron was written out of the narrative, would have been <laughs> fantastic. Have Neville replace him? How great would that have been? I mean, I would have read that book because I love Neville. And I'm like, I need more Neville. I still need that book about him being defiant to the Death Eaters in book seven because I'm just like, let me read that book. <laughs> yeah. Maybe somewhat. I know. Uh, um... Yeah, and then it's just like, Hermione, this is a dude you're not marrying. <laughs> oh, I mean, and I know that, like, Ron does go through some big character changes over the course of these books. But, like, this, like, just so shitty. So shitty. And it's like, you don't have to be shitty. You know who isn't shitty? Neville. You know who has a date? Not at the literal last second. Fucking Neville. Yep. Yeah. I also want to make sure that we note that Fred also says some, like, pretty gross misogynistic things. What does he say? All the good ones will be gone or something like that. Yeah, because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, where the fuck is Ron getting this bullshit? And I'm like, from the twins? Um, from, I mean, from society, yes, probably. I mean, we've talked before about the fact that I think that Ron thinks of his mother as an object, as just something that, you know, provides him with things that he needs and doesn't have personhood or value outside of what she can do for him i don't think that he's getting that from his dad but like the way that arthur is written like it doesn't seem like he is like modeling things for his kids in a way that is like valued or meaningful really i think that bill and charlie ended up being good people because they're queer and you know that gave them reason to reckon with who they want to be and how they want to interact with the world like earlier on than maybe the rest of the kids yeah i don't know it's a good question yeah i mean i guess and i can and i i and i also just want to say that i don't think i mean Percy has his issues. I don't think this is one of them. No, probably not. I don't know. I think we do see a little bit of internalized, like, 
or just a little bit of misogyny from Percy, the way that he talks about Bertha and the way that he talks about Rita. We don't really ever see Percy meaningfully interact with a girl or woman outside of Penelope and his mom. Weird. Maybe all these kids just have weird mom issues and this is how it's manifested. Yeah. And... Which I say that like not as an excuse. It just is a kind of like... I mean, all bad behavior has a root and it's like it it's important i think to acknowledge both where it comes from and hold people accountable for not doing something about it yeah especially since it's like very easy to imagine i mean we even see in the book the sort of like molly arthur dynamic is good cop bad cop you know right or permissive cop bad cop (laughs) you know yeah and like I can see where that would give where where the twins and like Ron could form really fucked up opinions about women from that. Mm-hmm. Especially in such a like a weirdly isolated society like the witching world. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I think one of those worlds fucked up. And then of course just a lot of misogyny from the author. So Right. Do you have anything else here? I have one small thing, I think, which is sort of Harry being like, ah, about like the girls that approach him to ask out to the dance. When it's like, I mean, besides that one aggressive queer who was trying, trying to be like, I need a beard, but, <laughs> or whatever was going on. With uh, it's just kind of like, if I don't know. It's just kind of like where it's like, I mean, you could just, I mean, I guess maybe your issue is you don't want to go with a stranger or you're really focused on show, even though LOL. But like, it just felt weird that he was just very dismissive of the girls that were approaching him versus the like, oh, well, if I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask someone out. It's like, because Harry turns on, there's down the first girl, the Hufflepuff, which none of them have names, which I'm very annoyed by. And then the, there's the two girls the next time. Is that it? Is he only approached by three girls? Yeah. Um, so the first one that says he was so taken aback by being asked that he said no before he thought about it, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense to me. A second year is 12. So Harry should absolutely say no to going fair. on a date with a 12 year old. Uh, and then, yeah, this fifth year, I don't know. I, I want I want to know more about her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't it it describes him as being unnerved. I I think he's just like really freaked out. Okay. I just wanted to bring it up cuz it was kind of like I was just sort of flip-flopping around in my brain. Mm-hmm. Also the fact that only the girls seem to be excited, which I'm like <sighs> I've seen enough promposal videos to know that it's a goddamn lie totally it's so silly and it makes it it makes it seem like the dance itself is like bad and frivolous and it's like well then why are you writing about it as being an exciting event if you hate it if you think that only like silly frivolous people get excited about it especially (laughs) as we've established there are literally no social activities that get all the kids together in one place like you're gonna have a cool band. It's gonna be cool food. Like this, like even if you're not gonna be the center of attention as a champion, like this is like a cool thing. 
that you would want to go to. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just, I don't think that the scoundrel has like any idea what she thinks about things. Like, I think with so much that happens in this series, it'll be, she's like, a dance. Dances are cool and fun. And then she's like, who likes dances and how do they act about them? Ugh, gross, girls, terrible. That That's, like, bad. You're supposed to be freaked out and, like, uncomfortable about a dance. And it's like, well, then what makes the dance cool and fun, you know? Like, why can you hold both of those truths at the same time? Because not all truths can be held at the same time. Sometimes they're (laughs) actually diametrically opposed and you have to just pick one. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, parties can be fun for everyone. (laughs) It's just what I tried to say. I loved going to school dances and usually spent most of them either on the roof of my school or like on the floor down from where the actual dance was hanging out with my friends. But you know what? It was a great excuse to get fancy and go do a thing that was different. So yeah, I think I spent a lot of dances. Oh, geez. Either hanging out with my friends or talking to the teachers that I liked because I was supremely uncool in high school. (laughs) Uh, supremely uncool and also very lonely. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's fine. I was, I mean, I was like an, an awkward neurodivergent nerd who thought I was too smart for everyone. Was, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. I'm like, it'll be different in college. It was not different in college. I just drank. <laughs> anyway, now I'm an adult. So, which is why I like, I like getting older. Fuck. Being in high school, shit was awful. Anyway, that got dark. Uh, <laughs> very quickly. Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. Um, I want to start with how much I love Hermione in this chapter from jump. Before they even start being misogynistic and gross she is done with ron and harry i think she also is like oh man remember two chapters ago when ron wasn't friends with us anymore that was so nice because she she's done she's like harry you're gonna feel like a real fucking idiot if you don't figure out this egg clue and you know what she's correct because that is exactly what happened yeah uh yeah and she's she just gets better from there, being like, uh, no, you guys suck, and I am not hanging out with her talking to you, and good for her. Yeah, and I feel like all a lot of things she says in this chapter is just like, all of you are just sick burns, and I'm like, good for you, Hermione. Yeah. Um, secure the knowledge that you got one of the hottest dudes at, this, at the school right now to go. Yeah, You're just she like... got Avila, and Ron was turned <laughs> down humiliatingly in front of the whole school by Avila. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hermione could lay in bed at night feeling good about that. She's yeah, just like I'm still I'm still out here winning, and she is correct. Yep. <laughs> she is still out here winning. <laughs> she sure is. <sighs> Great. What do you have next? Okay, so we get an explanation where Harry's like, "Oh, the Weird Sisters. I haven't heard about them, but I I haven't listened to their music, but I hear they're cool." 
Which means to me that there aren't radios in the common room. Are they just not allowed radios? They can't get the Wizarding World Network. Can you imagine being 14 and not being able to listen to any music at all? No. There's no music anywhere. You're just in your common room. You're hanging out. There's no jams. Are That's like fucking... 75% of your personality when you're 14. Yes. Is what music you listen to. <laughs> and listening to that music over and over again and being like, I really understand these lyrics or like, wow, man, like Kurt Cob- like that cello and dumb is just so deep, man. It's so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And why? Why don't these children have radios? Why doesn't Harry know who the Weird Sisters are? He should be so over their newest hit because someone has been playing it over. Like, you're like going to bed. You don't have the radio on. It's just fucking quiet in your dormitories. No. I know. It's terrible. You're. This is such an excellent point, Jesse. <laughs> I, I realized this and I would I just became so upset. I just I'm just No. I would not be able to sleep if I couldn't like put something on in the back. <laughs> Even as a teenager, I'm like, no, I need to put the city on repeat to go to sleep too. <laughs> yeah. Uh it has to be very mellow all around. <laughs> um yeah, I just am even more upset for these kids. Yeah, it's that's terrible. Give them a fucking radio. <laughs> So, Harry's so deprived of art in his life. Truly. Truly. It's like, you don't have art and you don't have drugs. I'm like, what? This, like, you don't have a jerk? I'm just like, oh my god, Harry. Yeah. I mean, obviously, those aren't the only two ways to cope with being a teenager. But, I don't know. Or an adult, a sad adult. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, what a just joyless life this is. I know. Yeah, I mean, they don't even have, like, creative writing classes. Like, they have nothing, no outlets for all of the things that come with being a growing, developing person. No one's writing sad poetry. I mean, I'm sure they are, but not, like, yeah, in a class where you're learning about poetry, which you need. Like, you need like, that when you're a teen. There's no magical poetry, like, nothing. This is terrible. I hate this so much. Like, you don't have a cool art teacher, you don't have a cool English teacher, or, like, creative writing teacher. Like, these kids, like... Yeah, who did the depressed kids talk to? That's why they're all trying to murder each other in the hallways. <laughs> it's like, give give the Slytherin some creative out, some creative out, out, outlooks. Jesus. Creative outlets. Give these kids some creative outlets. Yeah, I... I yes. All right, um, here's my next rant. It's so absolutely unbelievable to me that the Christmas carols that they would be singing, teaching to these statues, whatever, at Hogwarts would be Christian Christmas carols. So many Christmas carols predate, are like in no way about jesus or like actual christmas they're about yule so many and the one that she chooses to write in is come all ye faithful and it's like no these are witches these are not christians zero of the purebloods or half-bloods who were raised probably in the witching world i'm sure some of them their muggle parents still practices whatever religion but like they are not christian that's not that's not, I refuse it. Like, 
wholly refuse that and it makes me so mad no i i totally agree with this because this is actually always confused me because especially i think we get in book five we have serious singing god rest you mary hippogriff which is a good joke lol but again god rest you mary gentleman is specifically about jesus right like why not pick i don't know like carol the bells or some shit like that like something where it's deck the halls right and I think this is just more of that sloppy world building mm-hmm. just because, right, if you think for two seconds, you know, the society is pre-Christian slash not Christian. So any kind of Christmas carols would be not based at all around Jesus. Right. And it, yes, I hate it. I do want to say, though, this is my favorite thing that Peeves has ever done. <laughs> You could also just totally envision him like in a chest in a chest of armor, uh, in a suit of armor, singing like jingle bells, like Batman smells related. I mean, if I mean, obviously, probably not because context about Batman would not reach Peeves. But yeah, he's he's just basically inserting it with like swear words and yeah. like sexual innuendo, and it's probably hilarious. It's probably so good. Um, just to remind anyone, because this is such a tiny moment in this chapter, Peeves is hiding in the suits of armor and like the suits only know like half of the songs that they're singing. And so Peeves is filling in the gaps with like dirty joke parts of like that he makes up for the song. And like, he's got nothing but time, you know, he is memorizing what statues know what parts of the song and like making sure that they rhyme, <laughs> making sure that they're in cadence. And I just adore it. You're right. Peeves has has nothing but time to just to think up all of the ridiculous things that he can do. Yeah, the twins must collaborate with Peeves even outside of the sort of hats off we get um, between them in book five. Right, definitely. Like the twins must be the students that Peeves is like, yes, you are my protege. <laughs> protege? Yep. What? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, totally. And this is making me realize that the Marauders must have been friends with Peeves, too, which we should have realized when we saw Lupin, like, shoot the gum up his nose. That is very true. Man, weird. I wonder what what would happen if Harry ever asked Peeves about his parents. Oh. What, what a wild... Someone write that fanfic, I'm sure. I feel like Peeves would be like, oh, let me break character. Let me, like... I totally want to talk to you about hanging out with your dad. That would be really rad. It'd be like, he'd like break character at the end. He'd have to be like, I don't know, give him a wedgie or something or turn his hair blue and just be like, ha ha. And then like fly away, like laughing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, fun. Okay. Um, I have two more things here. They're both sort of the same thing. One and you mentioned this in your intro, just the absurdity of Harry being like, oh, Cho's still not going to have a date to the prom. This this is the book where Harry just has not been paying attention to the like social dynamics of being in a school of other people. Right. <laughs> Which is, I think, a very lovely way to like exist in one way versus like being really obsessed with like who's popular and who's not and like where he is in that. But also, right, this is sort of, like, naivete of being, like, Cho is funny and hot and smart and popular and on the Quidditch team, which is already going to make you popular with people. 
being like, yes, the last day before that before this ball, like two days before this ball happened, she clearly does not have to date this I know. What a, oh, what a doof. I swear. Just, I know. Uh, and then just his, just like, the his rage about it. I guess we'll get into that in personal. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so my second piece of this is also the, like, he's like, oh, I bet Fleur was trying to take Cedric to the ball. Like, too bad for her though he's going with my date Cho and I was like Harry Fleur had a date to the ball the day that the ball was announced so did Cho like so you know Cedric did not wait to ask Cho to the ball like she has had a date for two weeks however long this has been so is Fleur Fleur was not like let me just wait and like see if I can seduce Cedric into going with me no she's just flirting you're being ridiculous like her and Roger Davies have been making out this whole semester probably yeah and Fleur just probably is having a lot of fun flirting with Cedric who probably flirts back in a very charming way yeah totally welcome to the personal section where we talk about sexy stuff. Um, first off, I just want to get started that even when Harry is like, uh, Cedric, how dare you have asked Cho out first? He's still like useless pretty boy. And pretty boy is still in there. And I'm like, so you still think he's pretty? Okay. But, yeah, it's yeah. not just that. <laughs> he says so much more than that. Are you gonna? Are you digging up the whole line? Yeah, uh, he says he had been starting to quite like Cedric, prepared to overlook the fact that he had once beaten him at Quidditch and was handsome and popular and nearly everyone's favorite champion. Now he suddenly r- realized that Cedric was in fact a useless pretty boy who didn't have enough brains to fill an egg cup. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a lot of this doesn't sound like someone you're like really eager to hate. It sounds like someone you think is hot and you're just like, oh, yes, because here's the thing I'm just now realizing. Okay, so when Ron is like, who are you going to try to ask? He says, Cho was a year older than he was. She was very pretty. She was a very good Quidditch player and she was very popular. These are like almost identical lines. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's admiring and yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Handsome, popular, good at Quidditch. Pretty, popular, good at Quidditch. He's like how dare the two people that I most want to go to this dance with be going with each other? Which, fair. What a terrible feeling. Yeah. Also, wow, Harry really does have a type. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder if Cho's eyes are gray. Harry. <laughs> <sighs> I think we should have canon that they are because that is like, you know, a type that he has. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he does end up with a pretty popular Quidditch player. He sure does. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, 
Yeah, it's hard to say who Harry is more envious of in this situation. <laughs> I don't, he doesn't even know. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he is more envious of one or the other. I think I think the fact that like they're going together creates its like own singular kind of envy, where it's just like, I mean, again, what a terrible feeling. I too would be just absolutely miserable if two mm-hmm. people that I had a crush on started dating each other yeah and i i will i actually have to say uh that i was listening to a podcast that sort of brought up how when you're like closeted and you look back at like people or like characters that you obviously had a crush on but you were like oh i just admire them i like want to be them and then it's like uh and then maybe part of it is like wanting to be them but also kind of being like this actually was way more romantic than I was, like, telling myself it was. Right. You know? And how, like, really common that is with queer people. And I feel like there's a little bit of that here, too, you know? Yeah. With with Harry. Yeah. And that sort of singularity of, like, uh, of envy, you know? Yeah, totally. <sighs> um. All right. So I would like to propose... I think that Fred and Angelina have, like, been a couple for a while. They're, they don't seem like they would be, like, coupley people, neither of them, no matter who they were dating, that they wouldn't be, like, snuggling in the common room or whatever. They're both sort of very big, fun personalities. They're not going to, like, make their friends uncomfortable. But the way that he asks and the way that she responds feels very much like this is how the two of you flirt. Like... This feels fun and funny to you to do. And like, you're, you're both sort of like in on what's going on. But like, I, I think him being like, oh, I'm going with Angelina and then being like, oh, good point. Like, let me ask her. Like, they already knew they were going together or maybe it was like implied, but he hadn't official, neither of them had officially said it. And I think this is just like them, like cute flirting in front of everyone without anyone necessarily knowing. Yeah, yeah, they probably have definitely hooked up before. Yeah, I don't know. I've always liked this scene <laughs> between the two of them, where she just I like a, kind of appraises him. He's like, "Yeah, all right," and it's just like, see, that's what makes me feel like it's them flirting. Where like, you know, she's like, "I guess," you know, but it's like that's her boyfriend, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's cute. Yeah. Um, we touched on this earlier, where I mentioned that. I totally believe that Neville has a crush on Hermione, mm-hmm. among other people that he has a crush on. Because <laughs> uh, I definitely also think he has a crush on Harry, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. Harry is not very nice to him for much of the series. Right. And I'm just, it's just always nice to just be like, oh, because he like tells her, it's like, oh, like she's always like nice to me. And it's like, that's what you tell people when you're like, I assume that you were going to ask her, but you didn't. So... <laughs> And not to be like, I have this massive crush on Hermione because she's fucking awesome. And I don't know how you don't realize that. <laughs> that or Neville is queer and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to convince himself that he's not. Because like, oh, she's so nice and helps me with my homework does kind of sound like the way you try to convince yourself that you have a crush on someone when you are trying adamantly to deny the fact that you are queer. That's also true. Yeah. I know I was speaking about queer people. I was think I was because we get in this chapter that Lavender is going with Seamus. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, did Dean go home? Is that why that's happening? <laughs> I don't, and obviously, it, we might get to the next chapter and it'll be like, oh yeah, Dean is there. But Isn't Dean the one that's like, I don't understand how Harry and Ron... Yeah. So Seamus is going with Lavender. The only thing that we get about Dean, I think, in this chapter is him saying, I still can't work out how you two got the best looking girls in the year. So... Maybe they're going as friends. Maybe. Maybe they're still in a fight about whatever it was they were fighting about. Yeah, Dean saying that Cedric was pretty. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's all we get. So I don't think he's there with anyone because Seamus is there with, with Lavender. Maybe Dean wants them to, like, be out and Seamus is too too nervous about it i mean could definitely could definitely see that yeah actually it is weird that poverty didn't have a date before harry asked her uh yeah we're gonna we need to talk about that but probably we can talk about it in the next chapter all right okay so this is my last thing is that and this is not really sexy because i don't think they should go as like a couple but like it doesn't make sense it does because society whatever compulsory had <laughs> sexuality yeah but like harry and ron should just have gone to the fucking ball together when you can't find a date you go with your friends like you you and your friend who also doesn't have a date you go together and like yeah. i understand that that's only true for girls or whatever um but i think it's ridiculous that that's something that would be like so weird if, you know, like Hermione and Ginny would have gone together as each other's like, quote unquote, date, if neither of them yeah. had gotten a date. And that wouldn't have yeah. been weird. But, yeah. you know, it would never occur to Harry and Ron. But I'm like, just go together. What are you doing? This is so silly. You have yeah. a solution right here, like staring you in the face. I feel like even if it did occur to Harry, I, f- I could 110% see Ron not being into it because no homo. Yeah, totally. Ron would be horrified. Yeah, Ron is definitely a no homo kind of dude. Yeah, he's like, what do you want next? We're going to hug without slapping each other on the back? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, uh, my last thing is also not super sexy, but uh, Hermione has a mystery date, and Ginny's like, uh, that's her business, I'm not going to tell you. AKA, this is too funny. I want you to, I want to see look on your face when she rolls up into that ball. And I'm like, yes, Jenny. <laughs> um, and how it's just hot goss because poverty's like, wait, what? Who's she going with? <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. That felt like the most realistic interaction that's happened this chapter <laughs> is her being, is poverty being like, wait, what? What? Yeah. Tell me all the hot goss. And Harry does not have any because he's Harry. <laughs> right. <sighs> yeah love it mm-hmm. welcome to the health and science section where we talk about magic and science and magical science um i just have one thing here which is that the fat lady has a new hair bow a christmas bow and i'm like does the art club like paint (laughs) new clothes and accessories and like items for the portraits is that part of what they do is like oh you want some champagne for new year's like let me paint you some champagne into your portrait 
my god. I'm actually just imagining them as like it's like a little canvas they paint a bottle of champagne and then like somehow it mat and like magic it into the <laughs> into the portrait or like something. I don't right? know. It's fun. It's very fun to think of. Like, you know, the fat lady's been wearing this pink dress for like centuries, but like I love the idea that at some point she could be like, I'm feeling blue, you know? I'd like to switch it up and just asks, you know, the student art club, like, will you paint me a new dress? And then she can change. Like, that's so fun. Or like she wants like a scarf, she needs to like accessorize. Yeah. Um, my only health and science thing is that in Care of Magical Creatures, it is described about Ron, like, dishelling, like, cracking salamander eggs. Salamanders don't have hard-shelled eggs. No, they are, of like, course they're, they they're, don't. They're, they're amphibians. They have, like, soft jelly eggs. So... <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yes! And I'm like, wait, no, that's not the kind of eggs salamander have. And they're also, they're tiny because salamanders are tiny. <laughs> What is happening here? What does the scoundrel think sca- salamanders are? Because I honestly am just... That's so weird. And you could have just had any random lizard. A lot of lizards have either like soft, like soft leathery eggs that have shells. Salamanders are not reptiles. They do not have star- They do not have a, like a shell around their eggs. So that's that's such a well spotted. I was. I don't know why they would be so angry. I'm like, what is Ron doing that's not physically possible? <laughs> oh, so you have to have so many salamander eggs to feed these giant screws. Like a dragon liver makes sense to me. Just give him some chicken eggs or like an ostrich egg or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's so silly. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. I want to give a thank you to... Marianne Fan Day Histor for leaving us a lovely review. Thank you so much. This podcast and our other podcast, Escape from Reality, are both creations of hashtag Ruthless Productions and are produced, mixed, and edited by me. You should uh, tell all your friends about this podcast and maybe share some of our stuff on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at the Gaily Prophet. Um, you could also rate and review us on iTunes, and then you too could get a shout out for leaving us a five star review or writing us some nice things, or both, ideally both. Ideally both. Uh, and then you can also check out our website. You can listen to, listen to episodes there and buy our merch on our website, the uh, hashtag ruthless.com. Um, and you can support us on Patreon at The Gaily Prophet. If you want to uh, support us, continue to do this weird little podcast. Heck yeah. If you want to find me on the internet, I am on Instagram at Lark Malachi. And also my website is LarkMalachi.com. Don't forget to check out my Kickstarter. It ends in two days. So if you want to fund it before that's done, that would be awesome. Um, if you don't catch this in time, the tarot deck will be available for pre-order in the hashtag Ruthless shop and also probably on Etsy. And that's cool too. And also it will be available not in pre-order. If you're catching this like in a year, you'll just be able to order it because they will be physically here, which is super rare. Um, you can find me on the internet 
on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on live from Detroit for some foster kitten, for some foster cat content, hopefully, maybe. On Instagram, (laughs) that is. On Instagram. Sorry, did I say on, yes, you can find me on Instagram at live from Detroit. All right. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. And until next time. Mandatory school event. Compulsory heterosexuality. <laughs>